Welcome to The Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek, and this week we talk with the two leaders of Impact Florida, a brand new organization that is trying to work with school districts and get their teachers to a place where they are doing better things in the classroom. Mandy Clark is the executive director, Trey Sar is the chief operating officer, and they're here to talk with us about their recent summit their ideas for the future, and what they hope to see in things such as the state standards review process. Let's take a listen. I just want to thank you both for taking the time to talk with us here on the Gradebook Podcast. Great. Thank you for having us. Nice to talk to you. You guys have started off a new group called Impact Florida, and my understanding is that you really want to focus on teacher quality. And so you had a conference last week. Could you tell us a little bit about some of the big takeaways from your conference and where you see things headed? Absolutely. So, you know, we established Impact Florida because we recognized that there was a need to share among not just multiple education organizations, but also across districts and partners for essentially a central hub that can coordinate and share information. Um, and that's what we did on a large scale last week in Orlando. Um, specifically around closing the opportunity gap that we see in classrooms all across Florida. And we believe that promoting excellent teaching and learning in individual classrooms, in every classroom and every school across Florida, will give students that pathway to success after their K-12 career. And we particularly felt like this was the right focus because there's a number of moves and decisions that leaders make that impact what teachers can do in the classroom. Um, so while we all know that teachers are the single most important influence um, in, a child, in the child's success in the classroom, there's often many things that districts either unwittingly do or don't have the latest research on how they can make sure that their teachers are set up for success. So I think that was a really big takeaway we saw amongst the district teams last week. So let me ask you, who was who was in the room with you to hear these messages? Was it all teachers or all principals? Um, we purposely chose all um, like superintendent level, um, directors of curriculum and instruction, chief, chief academic officers, directors of either equity or professional learning. Um, it really varied. It was up to the district teams who was there. Um, there's also been a takeaway of many thought, gosh, we'd love to have our teachers um, in the room to hear this. So there there might be a part two uh, on down the road. Okay. And you mentioned something about opportunity gaps. Can you explain what that means? Sure. There's been a lot of discussion uh, over the past few years around around the, uh, for decades around the achievement gap. But the, the part of the challenge, if you sort of dig into that even a little bit more, is are we putting high enough, high quality teaching in front of every student every day? Um, because if we're not, um, it, we're not going to be able to close that achievement gap. And so when we look at uh, at recent research that you know that, that was done by TNTP, 81% of classrooms they surveyed um, and studied were or sorry, 
classroom teachers spend 81% of their time on below grade level instruction. Um, now, often that's not the result of that, te uh, that, that teacher's, that certainly it's not that teacher's intent. Um, it is, but it, it is that, that he or she is often not supported with strong instructional materials or adequate professional learning um, or, or ongoing coaching that's really necessary for us to see great teaching. And so those are some of the practices that Mandy spoke about that if we can get, can create uh, the right conditions in, in districts and in classrooms around the, around the state, we're going to see a, a greater number of teachers um, delivering great instruction every day. How do we do that when we hear people complaining on a fairly regular basis now that teachers aren't paid well enough and that their morale is going down and that we might face a 10,000 teacher shortfall at the beginning of the next school year? Yeah. So we, we spend a lot of time in Florida talking about teachers and, and a lot less talking about great teaching. Um, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the work around teaching is happening every single day. I mean, there are districts that are spending time and energy and money on professional learning. There are time, there are districts that are spending money on the acquisition of new instructional resources. If, if those types of things can be coordinated and aligned together into a, uh, we can see greater impact uh, with the work we're already doing. That does not in, the, in any way um, take away from the importance of simultaneously addressing issues of teacher supply and teacher compensation and, teach, and, and other uh, types of teacher support. And I'll add to that really quick too, um, to your question, Jeff, about how teachers feel about the profession and their value. Um, we did a survey of, um, a sample of educators, principals, and superintendents. And it was the number one thing that teachers felt was really important to their practice was getting more support and resources from their building leaders and from um, district leadership. Um, and then when we said, what could make it better? That was also based on their responses, the number one thing. Um, and so this, this type of support, actually getting coaching based on observation of their, you know, formative observation of their instruction, the right types of professional learning, the right types of um, curricular materials that they can access. Um, actually, I think, and we'd be excited to, to study this further, how much that actually helps with retention when teachers are supported adequately. So you're talking about getting them good quality teacher development, professional development, and and making sure that they get the help afterwards so that they can implement it well. Yes. What else do you think that needs to happen in order for you to get to this goal of great teaching? I know that you put out a five-point, um, what is it, a proposal or a research paper, a position paper? Uh, yeah, we, we released a, a case for impact, a, a paper talking about five common things we've seen uh, that in districts that are successful in this space. Um, and, and no district is perfect, um, but there are five conditions that lead, that, that lead to great teaching being in place in more classrooms. The first one of those is, is ensuring that there's clarity and a shared vision for what great instruction looks like. Um, so, so there is, so that district leaders and teachers and everyone in, in, in that institution is speaking the same language when they, about what great teaching looks like. The second one of those conditions, um, it talks about, uh, about 
uh, the importance of having high quality instructional materials. So the textbooks, the resources that teachers have in their classroom need to be strong and need to be aligned to the standards and the vision that is set by the, that is collectively set by the district. The third one we spend a lot of time talking about, and that's high quality professional learning systems, particularly learning, learning systems and training that are based off of observations, formative observations, as Mandy talked about, and on and side by side coaching of teachers. The old spray and pray version of, of professional development doesn't doesn't help teachers get better. Um, we, we heard from the teacher of the year this year who was at the, at our summit last week who said, "Look, if if my teaching is not rigorous enough, I need someone to come tell me what that means, not just tell me it's not rigorous enough." So specificity is really important in that feedback. Um, the fourth condition. Uh, is, a, is, is leadership, and that's making sure that, that leaders, whether they be superintendents, uh, assistant superintendents of curriculum instruction, principals in particular, are in classrooms every single day, observing teachers, observing instruction in a, in a coaching and formative way, not, not in a gotcha way, but in a way that says this is teaching is a craft that can improve, and we can all improve on that craft, and that happens by consistent coaching and observation. And then the fifth one, is really effectively using data in, uh, in, a, in, a, in an ongoing sort of continuous improvement model way. So making a lot of that is observational data, but it's also data from formative assessments that teachers are giving all the time in their classrooms to understand what are kids understanding and what are and where do you, where do you need to reteach or provide additional support for young people. And so you know, those five conditions are 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 ways that districts and schools can support ensuring that there's great teaching in every classroom every day. It sounds like those are things that we hear school people saying that they want to do, but they don't always achieve it. Is there some sort of secret to this, or is it just a lot of hard work? Well, one of the interesting things that was discussed at the summit is what comes first, a change in mindset or a change in practice? And we discovered it, it is, of course, a both-and. Um, but it's harder to change a mindset, especially when, um, and that same survey we did, we had numbers of teachers, I think it was 74%, um, around 70% who believed they actually recognized that their long-held instructional practices had contributed to achievement gaps. But it, it's also hard to know what to replace those with, um, especially when, you know, the general public probably also shares that sense that that's the right thing to be doing in the classroom. And um, so we've actually found that kind of helping that really intensive coaching and support that kind of um, encourages teachers to change their practice when they can see the results of that in student work and say, oh, wow, they were really ready for this, this level of rigor in this assignment. That helps shift the mindset. But as you can tell, that really takes a dedicated focus to being an instructional leader. And given the state of transition that we have in many schools and many districts, that's something you have to protect a lot of time and build a collective vision around. And again, that's one of the things we hope to help with, but that's why it is long and um, I would say a, a constant thing that will have to be maintained. Um, but in the districts that have, have really started this journey, they are creating those proof points that give teachers and leaders, you know, the kind of the the fodder to know that it's it's possible. And it's so exciting to see the student work that has changed as a result. Now, you mentioned 
the need to understand that you're teaching at the right standards and at the right level. And right now, I know the state is getting ready to start its, or maybe it already has started, it, its a standards review. Does that put everything on pause? Or, or how do you make sure that you're able to teach standards that are being changed and have input into making sure that the standards are still good ones? Well, the good news that I would say that what we've learned about great teaching is that there's a number of, like we've mentioned, instructional practices that are important regardless of what the standard that you are teaching might be. Um, and so we feel like there is plenty that districts can and school leaders can still be working with their teachers on as it relates to instructional practice. Um, and to not let any noise right now affect what they're doing. Um, students are about to take the FSA, um, school grading and um, I'm sorry, the, the assessments and the school grading calculations will still be the same for this school year and the next school year. And so until people know what the standards will be, um, we really heard a lot from leaders last week who felt it was so valuable to like, let's keep, let's stay the course, let's stay focused on our practices. Um, and I think, you know, that's another role we help to play. We hope to help play is, you know, we are trying to elevate those leader and educator voices of what they really like about our existing standards and how they felt they were useful, but also where they feel like there's, there's feedback on those that, that are really difficult to incorporate into their instructional practice, um, where they can have that voice. So, so far, we're just, we're trying to help people just stay focused on this work in the classroom because it will be important regardless of the larger state context. Standards in Florida are not going away. There, there may be uh, some changes we expect coming out of the review process, but, um, but Florida is strongly committed to, to, to making sure, as, as the governor said, that we have the number one outcomes in the country, and, and you need some level of expectations to, to be able to do that. It seems like in order to get where you want to go, you're going to have to have some key people listening. Do you have people from the state and people from, say, the Florida Education Association on board working with you? Well, since we just launched last week, um, I will say we're already meeting with a number of partners and know we have more to meet with. So we really do look forward to making sure that um, all stakeholders, I mean, that's one of our values of our organization, and we have that on our website at um, impactfl.org, uh, where people can can kind of see what we value and, and reach out, which we've had a number do since our summit. So um, we do look forward to having conversations with key leaders of organizations in Tallahassee as, and across the state, but also with um, with policymakers in the departments. Um, you know, if, if it's relevant to, uh, I guess it's more next year, it will be the legislature and the state board. But we definitely feel like if we can be a conduit to the conversations and connecting the dots between stakeholders who have perspectives to share, we certainly want to play that role. Yeah, we've, we've also seen both at the summit and over the, and, and, and since great connection between education advocates and education funders and uh, district and education leaders. Um, what we made a very intentional decision to have advocates sitting alongside educators at the, um, this past week um, so that they can understand the world that each each of them live in and how they can be supportive of each other. Because there's a lot of work that the philanthropic community and the advocate community have to do and should be doing um, to help educators improve uh, school practice. 
So I guess for now, though, we won't be seeing you so much in Tallahassee as we will be in some of the school board rooms and, and maybe even the classrooms. If not you, then the people who are supporting the work that you're doing. I think the um, the work in Tallahassee um, really um, is, is with the, the Florida Department of Education right now. Um, they have a number of networks of teachers, the, the Teacher Lead Network, the High Impact Teacher Corps. Um, they also have a network of leaders um, named after a, a dear friend of ours, um, Brian Dassler. He used to be the Deputy Chancellor of Education, Educator Quality. Um, and so, you know, there's great work being done there. Um, but, you know, they also are are running this process on the executive order. So we are trying to um, make sure that the voices of those from the field can be shared with the department, um, because as we all know, transitions take up a lot of energy as does legislative session. So we're also helping there along with districts. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about some of the people who are involved in your group and 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 in your effort and some of the positive things that you've already seen? Sorry, you want to take that? So yeah, sure. So I mean, we've been working with a, a, a small group of education leaders um, for, the, for a while to try to try to identify you know, what was the what were the root uh, uh, supports that were needed to to provide for great teaching. And so, um, and we've seen some examples, some really great examples of success. Um, you know, we saw if you look at the at the um, instructional materials uh, conditions. Uh, we had you know, have had, had a couple of districts supported um, by TNTP that moved to um, new math curriculum um, and have seen great gains. And, and Mindy um, mentioned uh, Quail Hollow Elementary in Pasco um, saw tremendous growth. And we've actually had the opportunity to spend a bit of time in that school and walk through classrooms and talk to teachers and have produced a uh, produced a, a video on our website at impactfl.org where you can sort of learn a little bit about their story. Now, their principal, uh, Principal Smucker, would be the first one to say, we have not arrived to the promised land yet, but they, but that they are um, making great progress with a real deep focus on instruction and instructional quality. Um, so I, th I think there's a um, a lot to be said for play for schools and districts that um, may not have it all figured out, but are well on the journey. Well, this is really helpful, and, and I think that what y'all are doing is going to probably show some results pretty quickly if, if you get some traction. So I want to wish you a lot of luck, and thank you for talking with me. Keep us informed as to where things head. Great. Thank you so much, Jeff, and thank you for all you're doing for education as well. That's the end of our conversation and the end of our podcast. If you'd like to participate or share your views on what we've just talked about, go to our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook, and you can log in your comments right underneath the post of this podcast. To keep up on the latest Florida education breaking news, please go to our blog, tampabay.com slash gradebook, where you should find the latest information on a daily basis. We really appreciate you listening to this podcast, and we would love to hear back from you your comments. Either you can put your feedback on the reviews on one of the places where you subscribe, or you can just send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Thanks again for listening.